Jesus, we know that that night was divine. Because some 2,000 years later, here we are, fully impacted by the love you demonstrated by coming to us. You chased us down and you held out your arms and you welcomed us home. For those of us who have found that safety and security and pleasure and joy in your arms, peace, ah, it is divine and it is a thrill of hope. May the weary world rejoice when they find what we found in you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. I want to make a statement to us this Christmas season, if you will, that may be a struggle for some of us. You might argue in your head with yourself. You may try to figure out whether it's true or not, but I would be bold enough to say that not only is it true, but you will discover that. And it's this. You have never, never been loved like this. You've never been loved like this. Some of you would be sitting here saying, no, I've gotten a lot of love. I mean, my, my spouse, they, they love me really, really, they really love me. And so I, I've been, and I'm actually pretty loving myself. I mean, I love my, I love my spouse too. Hmm, not like this. I like this. You may say, yeah, but you don't know our family. We're a pretty loving family. I get that. I love my family. I love my wife, my kids, my parents, and my heroes, people. I mean, I love my family, but I've never been loved like this. You may say, yeah, but I got friends, man. My friends love me. Like, my friends would take a bullet for me. They would lay down their life. I would do the same for them, and that is love. And I, I have all kinds of that kind of love. Not like this. Not like this. No way. What do I mean like this? Well, in Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 23, we read this. An angel of the Lord came to speak to Joseph as he considered this, the fact that his wife would give birth to the Son of God, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I mean, he came in tonight with some sins. A few of you, good. No perfect people allowed, just so you know. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, in Isaiah, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Alex just presented the beauty of the truth that God would not allow distance between the people he loved and created, and so he came to be with us in Jesus, and not just to be with us, but to stay with us. Jesus said, lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And the reason is because he gave us his Holy Spirit. And so the spirit of Jesus lives in us if we've made a decision to follow Jesus. And so in Luke chapter 2, 6 and 7, Mary and Joseph 
while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now speaking to the shepherds, an angel appeared. Don't be afraid. In Luke chapter 2, 10 and 12, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You, by this sign, here's the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger, an animal's feeding trough. That's the sign. I can't imagine that there were a bunch of babies in animal feeding troughs at that day. Oh, church, I, maybe you're in different places in faith. Maybe you trust in God. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're trying to figure that out. But listen, I got to tell you today, you have never been loved like this. And, and, and just the fact that he came down, God with us, to, to be with us is enough. But to come like this. And then... The disciple, John, in 1 John 4, 7 through 10, tells us this. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Isn't that good? That love comes from God, that we don't have to conjure it up, that we don't have to make it happen. We don't have to figure it out. It comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Thank God we get to hear what real love is like. Thank God that at Christmas we get to see and experience and understand that we've never been loved like this. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. I got to tell you, I think you all are pretty awesome, but I wouldn't let my son be sacrificed for you, neither one of them. But God sure did. And then we go, same disciple to John 3, 16. And I'm going to also add 17 in there because 17 gets left out too often. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God, verse 17, sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Oh, man. I got to tell you, I know it might be confusing at Christmas time to do this, but you've never been loved like this. I mean, you, you, whoa. You've never been loved. Let me be inclusive. I've never been loved like this. Let me put us in community if I can. We've never been loved like this. When we think about love, and I just want to, I want to pack love for a second. I think it's important that we do that. I think there's confusion about love, and I think when it comes to God's love, it's not confusing. When we think about love, we're drawn by so many different examples and possibilities. There's romantic love. How many of you have experienced romantic love? Raise your hand. Yeah, it's fun, huh? How many of you can't wait to experience it? Yeah. I saw that. 
Oh, and then put your arm around your wife. That was beautiful. <laughs> there's, friend, there's a love of friends. No greater love hath no man than to lay down his life for his friends. There's this love that family experiences, but God's love goes far above all of that love because it's unconditional. It's always there. The Bible actually says that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Neither height, nor death, nor angels, nor demons, nor anything present or things to come can separate you from the love of God. Like, that's amazing love. But unconditional love is unnatural to us. So it's always worked in us by the Holy Spirit. That's why we need Jesus. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit when we believe. I'll put it to you this way. No one loves like God without God's help. You just can't. Oh, you can come close call it common grace, but self will always find its way in one way or another. These other loves come more naturally to us, therefore happen a lot easier in our lives. I'll give you that. Romantic love, friendship, the love of friends, the love of family is a good gift of God's common grace meant for our enjoyment and it is good for this type of love to develop in our marriages and our friendships and our family. That's all true. But God's love is a different category altogether. And I hope you get this because we've never been loved like this. It's a different category altogether. At its core, God's love is selfless. Man, it doesn't matter how amazing of a human you are in your marriage. Without God's love influencing you, self will always creep in. Your friendships, family, some of you see how selfishness destroys family, but God's love is selfless, it's committed to truth. You know what that means when it says it's committed to truth? When you love each other, we know that the enemy of our soul lies to us and tells us lies about who we are, but committed to truth comes in and screams truth and says, that's not true about you. You are loved and you're loved by God and nothing can separate you from it. Hmm. It never happens unless we draw near to God in Christ. See, God's love can also be expressed and experienced in any relationship, in marriage, in friendship, in family. That's the power of God's love, that when you realize what it's all about, and you've never been loved like that, and you receive that, it changes you from the inside out, and then it changes how you treat each other. It changes how you treat people. It changes how you see and believe the world to exist and how you live into it. It's powerful. Let me help you understand something about God's love that might be hard for us to grasp. Death is at the center of God's love for us, and death is at the heart of all biblical love. Well, that's exciting, Dave. Merry Christmas. <laughs> right? Let me apply this to marriage. You'll love this. The covenant vows that we make on our wedding day are a death sentence of love. Put that in your vows. Today I'm committing to a death sentence of love. <laughs> Doesn't feel right, does it? But let me go further. We vow to die to self in every season of marriage for the other. To keep the covenant at all costs, doing whatever it takes to serve our spouse's joy in Jesus. It's the same with friends, to serve their joy in Jesus. It's the same with family. Listen, church. This is biblically defined love, to consistently die to ourselves for the sake of someone else's joy in God. 
to consistently die to yourself for your friends' joy in God, for your family's joy in God, to die to yourself for your spouse's joy in God, for the world's opportunity to see a love they've never experienced. Our joy in God. A friend of mine shared with me a definition that his dad gave him about on love. He said, love is attitudes and actions sacrificially given for the well-being of another, for the joy of God in someone's life. See, true love isn't based on feelings alone, but grounded in deep eternal truths because God is love. This kind of love comes out of who God is. He is love. His very essence and makeup and character is defined by the way he loves. You want to know what love looks like? Figure out what God looks like. Get to know God. Discover God. And because of this, we have to seek our love for one another from him. Man, that, when I let God's love in and it changes me, I love differently. I'm discovering this. It looks more like God's love. In order to love our spouses and friends and family biblically and rightly and deeply, we need the love of the Father to be infused in us. Folks, that's true. But if we've never been loved like this and we allow that love in, then the love that's going to come out is a love that people have never experienced. And we get to point people to God. See, God's love is what hope looks like. We said last week that joy is what hope feels like. But God's love is what hope actually looks like. This Christmas season, we have been in a series called The Thrill of Hope or A Thrill of Hope. And we sing it in a song. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Why is the weary world rejoicing? Because yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. What's the new and glorious morn? That there's a God who loves us, that we don't have to earn it, that it's just given to us. That there's hope in Jesus that we don't have to make happen. It will happen. See, the reason the world is weary is because it's running full speed from fear and despair. Chasing a hope promised by the world that is simply wishful thinking. And so we've been tricked into thinking that if we will pursue security outside of God, we will be hopeful. If we pursue pleasure outside of God, we can be hopeful. If we pursue power outside of God, there is hope. But there isn't. That's what the world is trying to tell us. But security and pleasure and power outside of God only destroys. You know what it destroys? When you seek with everything you have security outside of God, it will actually destroy the peace that real hope promises. When you seek pleasure outside of God, it will actually destroy real joy that real hope promises. And when you seek power outside of God, it will destroy love. The love that real hope offers. And so we said the thrill of hope, real hope, a confident expectation, peace of a better tomorrow, God's tomorrow, joy. Because of the promises and character of God, he is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he's going to do. That that brings peace and that brings joy and that brings real love. And so this Christmas is your hope. Does it come with thrill? And what's killing your thrill? That there are thrill killers out there, security, pleasure, and power when it happens outside of God. So the thrill killer of love is our desire for power. Now listen, as I say that and process that, I'm not, some of you are sitting here saying I'm not a power trip kind of person. (laughs) 
Okay, consciously, maybe not. Maybe you don't like the terminology. Let's try something else. Control freak? The need to be in control of what love comes and what love goes? Determining for yourself what love should actually look like? And deciding whether or not you have it or not? Manipulating people so that you get from them what you think you need to feel secure and to have high self-esteem? Am I, am I, are we hitting home yet? Love of power is a compulsive need to control a significant other, and not always from a bad way, but so that we get what we think we need from them. It's selfish. The compulsion comes from deep-seated self-esteem issues that won't let us believe that someone could just love us as is. Ha! Imagine that when you get married. Hey, marry me as is. Not what you're going to make me into. Not what I'm going to make you into. This is as is, and Jesus comes, and he's about the old. You've never been loved like this. We've never been loved like this. He comes and says, I'll take you as is. Because when he gets inside and does, starts doing the work, it changes us from the inside out. That's real change. As is. Oh, could you imagine? If we just knew that people would accept us as is, we wouldn't try so hard to earn their love, try so hard to manipulate the love, try so hard in our insecurity to make sure everything around us is safe and okay. When you step into a relationship with Jesus, you get this marker, this identity called a child of God. And you don't have to worry about the false self anymore. You don't need people to value you. You don't need people to tell you they love you because God loves you. And when God loves you, you get to give love away instead of expect it all the time. I'm yelling because I'm excited, darn it. It's Christmas. So we have to make people stay and make them be faithful and make them love us or they just won't. So we manipulate love. I thought it'd be interesting to see what the world is saying about the difference between power and love, the struggle and what power does or the desire to, to control love does to real love. So I went to psychology today. Isn't that fun? Here's what the world is telling the world about this. Love of power makes its owner feel more secure based on all of the controlling and manipulative behaviors that we can instigate to make the significant other behave in what we perceive to be a loving way. On some level, we know that our controlling words and behaviors are not attractive and are not winning us the love and attention we want, but we are compelled by that empty hole in our own self-love to continue to try to control the other person. Why? Because we haven't realized what this love can do for us and do to us. That it will actually give us everything we need to know who we are. And what God thinks of us will matter more than anything. And so we don't love people for what we can gain from them, to manipulate what we need from them because we have it. Ha! Oh. And so here's what the article goes on to say. The power of love, on the other hand, is simply the desire to be with the person with whom you are in love because you enjoy their company and all of it goes with it. See, when power inserts itself into love, the need to control and manipulate, hear me, this is, this is big, we lose the joy of what love was all about. But what they're saying is when you let real love be your life that you will learn to actually enjoy the people you love and they will enjoy you. Listen, put this way, you don't want or need to control them, you just enjoy them. 
Can, I, can you listen to me? That's Jesus. The world just described Jesus. You've never, we've never been loved like this. He's not asking anything from you other than just to receive the love he gives you when we have a world that demands it all, at all costs. <sighs> Goes on to say, they don't have to constantly reassure you that you were loved. You know it by the way they treat you. You know what? In our insecurity, we long to be reassured, and so we hunt for it. But Jesus has assured us in how he's loved us by the way he's treated us. He didn't do this for himself. He did this for you. He didn't do this for himself. He did this for you. And everything in between. When there is a need to exert your power, there is no energy left to give love. I have to tell you something I've realized about myself um, over the years, and, and it's kind of been like a light bulb. You ever have light bulb moments about yourself, and you're just like, wow, I didn't realize that. I have this habit of saying to people, hey, I love you. Love you. Love you. Daniel, love you. Meg, love you. Mm -hmm. See how easy that is? That's fun, huh? Brad, love you. Now, I found myself doing that, and I started being like, you know what? That's pretty easy. There's not a lot of commitment to that. Every once in a while, you'll get, love you. That's like serious stuff right there. That means I actually might like you more than you think. Love you. See, it's, it's, it's a giving love out safely. It, 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 subconsciously. It's much easier to say love you than... I love you. And as God has been doing work in me, I want you to get this. God, God, God has been just, just revealing who he is to me in just such new and powerful ways in my walk because I'm just spending more time with him and processing who he is and what he's doing in the world and his promises. And it's changing my need for approval outside of him. It's changing my need for value outside of him. It's changing my need to receive love outside of him. Do I like when people love me? Sure. I just don't need it. Because he loves me. I'm not chasing it down from humanity because I have it in divinity. Somebody write that down. <laughs> and I find myself realizing that this whole thing of love you is a protection from rejection, which is something we fear so bad. Love you, that's safe. I was with a buddy recently and we were lamenting where the relationship had gone. I probably wasn't being the best friend in the world, and that was being processed. And I remember hearing this, and in the past, I would imagine getting defensive. Well, you haven't either. You know, we've done that. You, you, want, to be, you want a friend, then be one, okay? Lamenting all of this. No, one didn't get defensive, didn't feel the need to explain, just looked him in the eye and called him by name and said, I love you. You need to know I love you. And I'm sorry that this has been what it is. I just want you to know that. And I found myself going, wow, that flowed way easier than it ever has. I love you. And that's, that's from a place of security in Christ. Because if you don't receive it or you reject it, that's on you doesn't change who I am in God. 
There's no power attached to it. There's no control. There's no manipulation. Listen, Jesus, when he came to earth, didn't come and say, I love you. You Hear me. You've never been loved like this. We've never been. He didn't come to say, I love you. He's not insecure. There's no problem with his self-esteem. He has no desire to control your response. Matter of fact, that's why he eliminated power from his love. The need to control, the need to manipulate. How do I know that? Listen, because if power had come into this situation, it wouldn't have been a manger. If he would have let the need to control, which is the opposite of love, which is selfless, it would have been a golden crib. Matter of fact, he might not have come at all this way into humanity. But it would have at least been a golden crib in a monstrous castle with all kinds of purple silk wrapped up with nobility. Not a manger. That's why we've never been loved like this. This comes with no strings. Just did it because he loves you. This, if, if this If this had been manipulated by the power over just real love, the Bible says he could have called 10,000 angels. He could have exercised his power to manipulate. Matter of fact, they weren't expecting a crucified Savior. They were expecting him to come and rule and reign, to kick some butt. And he dies on a cross? Okay, fine, you're on a cross. But the Bible says he could have called 10,000 angels. Wouldn't that have been awesome? I mean, I've asked sometimes, God, like, how cool would it be just to see that one time? <laughs> like, if when he's up there, he would have called 10, and heaven would have opened, and 10,000 angels, the people who crucified him would have been like, oh, no. <laughs> right? But he took the power out of it. And he just loved. <laughs> We've never been loved like this. If the desire for power had sent Jesus into the world, it wouldn't look like a manger and a cross, church. See, love created humanity. The desire for power and control separated us. That happened from us in the garden. Love made so many ways to come back to God all through the Old Testament. But the desire for power kept us separated because we wanted to worship what we wanted to worship. It was called idolatry. Love made one final way, and it showed up in the most humble of ways, a manger, a wooden feeding trough for animals. And a cross, a wooden device of execution for criminals, and he wasn't a criminal. Don't forget about the life between the manger and the cross. Oh, the only power Jesus displayed was the power against evil and the amazing power of truth. The good wins, like it or not. His life was a message of love, not power, selflessness, not selfishness. He introduced us to the kingdom of God and said it was for anyone who believed, Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. He took children in his lap and said, unless you become like one of these, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. He invited the sinner to walk with him, follow him, because he believed it was the sick that needed a doctor. He put the religious people in their place out of love for them and love for those, their self-righteousness enslaved and subdued. 
He healed the sick and he made the lame walk, the blind see and set the captive free. He said, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you will lay down your power trip and become a servant of all. He said, you won't try to get the best seat at the table, but you'll leave that for others. He said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's crazy stuff. He washed his disciples' feet when their selfishness kept them from washing each other's. And he let Peter stay at the table during the Last Supper, knowing that he would deny him and abandon him. He endured the cross, taking our sin and shame upon himself for his joy and ours. He laid down his life. He could have called 10,000 angels, exercised his power, but greater love hath no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. And then cried, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. <laughs> We've never known love like this. No matter how great you think you have it. Power and the need for it put him on a cross. But it was love that kept him there. Real love. God love. What does it look like? To take power out of it, it was a manger and a cross and everything in between. But he didn't just die, he rose from the dead so that you and I could have hope today. Peace and joy and this love. So I'll say it again, we've never been loved like this. A baby in a manger, the savior of the world, the king of kings and the lord of lords. Wondering if our desire for power will keep us from the very love that can save us. Not just in our death, but in our life. A thrill of hope. That's what love looks like. What do you do with love like this? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus in the room, you wake up every day and thank him for it. You let it empower you and fill you and drive you because it changes the way you do marriage, it changes the way you do friendship, it changes the way you do family, it changes the way you do life. And if it hasn't changed you, and invite him in to be the source of your love. That people would see peace and joy and love and goodness and meekness and self-control and kindness because that's what followers of Jesus look like because the Holy Spirit's in us. But if you're here today and for whatever reason you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I know what you're searching for. All of the world's research and statistics will tell us it's love. Acceptance, to be wanted, to be needed. I'm telling you, you've never been loved like this. There's nobody that is going to do this and then take all the power out of it and say it's yours to choose. But in this moment today, we can choose. Something's kept you from God. Maybe it's the church. Maybe the church has hurt you. If it has, can I ask you to forgive us? Maybe it's the way Christians have modeled God. If that's what it is, can I ask you to forgive us? You should never let your love for God and your ability to see who God really is be dirtied by the way we choose to live our lives and then call ourselves Christians. That word has been cheapened. I'm sick of it. So I apologize for that. Maybe it's you've put God in a box and because he hasn't responded to the way you're God in the box tells you he should respond you've dismissed him well God was never designed to be in a box he would cease to be God if that was the case but I know this he loves you with more love than anyone can give you 
and you don't have to earn it like religion tells you you do. You just receive it. And the way you receive it is to believe it. And you say, God, if you are who you say you are, then I believe and I receive and I follow you. Jesus said, if you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, loved, and you'll be able to love. Part of the family of God. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to not bow your head or close your eyes. (laughs) We're family. We don't do this in secret. We do this before everyone because we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news for salvation. And if you're here, man, something about that is resonating inside of you. And I'm not asking for those who have put their faith and trust and hope and belief in Jesus before. You don't have to keep doing that. You just have to follow. You get to follow. You just spend time with him and he'll change you from the inside out. But if there's anyone in the room, you say, you know what? I want a, I want a relationship, not because I get something from it, but because I get Jesus. I want a relationship with Jesus where he enjoys me and I enjoy him. And I've not experienced that before, but I want that. Would you just raise your hand and say, man, that's me tonight. I want that. Anybody in the room? Thank you. That takes boldness. Anybody else you say, man, that's... And you know what? I don't, I'm not, I don't have to manipulate this moment because the Holy Spirit does that. And if something's not tugging on your heart, and it's just not tugging on your heart, but if it is, listen to it. Because that's the Holy Spirit. And if that's you, in these moments, we just say, God, I'm in. And it's public for a reason. Because I'm not ashamed of God. So if that's you, you say, man, I'm just, I'm ready to follow Jesus. I want a relationship with a God who enjoys me. And I don't have to earn his love. Anybody else will join us. Good. That means everybody in this place loves Jesus and is going after him with everything they got. I'm excited for you. We're going to sing this song. The song has become a source of joy for me as we've sung it. Because it's truth. The number one lie the enemy will tell you is nobody loves you. God's not real. He doesn't love you. He's mad at you. He's angry. He's out to get you. None of it's true. He loves you so deeply. And he cares about your life. And one day you'll stand before him, like it or not. Can't wait for that day. And you get to hear how much he loves you. Until then, we just know that he loves us. Let this song, as a believer in Jesus, flow into your heart this Christmas season in a way it never has.